There is no God like our God. There is no Savior. There is no Lord except our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you find an Old Testament book, the Old Testament book of 1 Kings? We're going to be reading chapter 3 and be reading verses 3 through verse 15. 1 Kings chapter uh, 3 and verse 3 is we're going to start. Thank you so much uh, to our praise band. Thank you. Listen, when our music director is away, is away no telling what our student pastor will do. But uh, we appreciate Bobby always uh, filling in, helping out wherever is needed. And appreciate other youth who were there. Other, he's not a youth, but we appreciate the youth he brought to help us in worship as well. Would you give him another round of applause how the Lord has used them today? And we're glad you're here today. Stormy uh, time all around us today, but you've chosen to be here. And listen, we want to continue to create a place to where you don't want to miss. You don't want to look for excuses not to be here on Sunday or to be a part of those things that are happening. In fact, you want to be here. You want to bring others. You want to bring family and friends. And this is a good place for you to be. But not only on Sunday, be involved in the fellowship of Parkway Baptist Church. Be involved in the many ministries. And we know that the Lord is working to do that very thing. We do... We are praying for those who may be in the midst of storms this morning, today. We know we have friends in Mississippi that were struck this weekend as well. Let's have a word of prayer for them and for the rest of our service today. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you now knowing that uh, you are wanting to meet with us. You're here today. We thank you, Father, that uh, we can feel your presence. We know by faith, of course, always that you're with us and that you never leave us nor forsake us, and we thank you for that. Father, we do pray for those who may have been or even in the midst of the storms, even today. Father, we pray for your protection and your watch care. We pray for those who have lost property, those families who've lost loved ones even the past couple of days. Father, we pray that uh, they may be aware of your presence and your nearness today. We pray, Father, for those who are lending helping hands. We pray that there are many believers as well who are pointing other people to Jesus. We thank you, Father, that uh, we can be a part of the kingdom that has practical work for today and also points to tomorrow and everlasting life that is found in Jesus. And now, Father, we thank you for what you've done here today already. Thank you for the baptism today. We thank you, Father, for uh, opportunity to bring up praise. We know that you've heard our prayers and continue to do so. We pray as we read and proclaim your word that everything that we do, Father, be pleasing in your sight. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my God, my rock, and my redeemer. It's in the precious name of Jesus we lift these prayers. Amen. We're in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 15. It's part of a series called King and Kingdom, recognizing that we serve only one king. We want to focus and worship him and him only. And, uh, but even in this Old Testament passage, we pray that this might be a preparation in our hearts for living today, living this week, and even getting ready for Resurrection Sunday. But this now is the word of God. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You've shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept him for him the great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, Lord, my God, you've made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, 
too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall rise after you. I give you also what you've not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings, and made a feast for all of his servants. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. When I was a young pastor, I, I talked to a, what I considered a prominent pastor and one with a great reputation and asked him if I could take him out to lunch so that I might pick his brain. I had observed that when he began the ministry of the church in which he was pastoring then, the church did a great turnaround very quickly. They went from a church that was not growing to a church that was growing and reaching many, many people as well and uh, continuing to grow. And, and so I wanted to, I wanted to ask him, about uh, those, what, those first few months or those first year or two, what are the things, some of the advice in which he might be able to give me. And, and, uh, and so I was uh, starting a new ministry and fixing to start a new pastorate and wanted to ask him some of those questions. And he told me some things like, first of all, he gave the Lord all of the credit and all the glory for anything good that has happened. He did say, he said, you want to be sure to continue to preach and to teach God's word. Make sure it is a central focus of all that you do and everything that you do points to Jesus. But then he said, I, he said, I got to tell you, people need to know how much you love them. He said, you need to love on the people, on your, on your church members. And he gave me some very practical ways in which I might be able to love on church members as well. He said, let them know that they're important, their opinions are important, that you want to listen to people, accept the church where they are. But you also want to paint a picture and a vision of what the church could be. Because if the people can rally around a particular vision, a God-ordained vision for His church, then it will build much unity in the church. So don't ask people to do things that you're not willing to do and that you've not already given an example for. And it's okay to ask staff members and servant leaders of the church to work hard toward that goal and let them know that you're going to be working even harder and help the church to learn to be more outward focused, always reaching lost people, those who are unchurched. And I remember this, he said, you want to be sure to plan a very nice vacation for your wife and your family because they're going to need it and because you're going to be working really hard and they're going to need that vacation. Then he, but he gave me these three criteria. He said, everything that you do needs to be built around these three things. Lifting up the name of Jesus, loving people, all people, and living by the word of God. In fact, some of you have heard me repeat those very things that said, if anything that does not have to do with all three of those, you don't need to be doing it. Church doesn't need to be doing it. Everything needs to lift up the name of Jesus. Show love to people, all people, and needs to be living by the word of God. And if anything doesn't fit, let that fall. I've considered some of these, some of the wisest words that I've ever received as a pastor outside of what the Bible teaches or maybe outside of maybe what my dad said as well. Here we have Solomon called the wisest man who ever lived. Certainly he was until Jesus came to the earth. He's the writer of Proverbs, writer of Ecclesiastes, writer of Song of Solomon, couple of Psalms that we know of. Well, I'm gonna invite you this morning. I want you to pull up a chair. 
because we're going to take Solomon out to brunch. And we're just going to ask him some questions of what it means to walk with the Lord, to help us to give us some advice on what it means to really be a servant of the Lord as well. Listen, if anybody started out well, if nothing else, Solomon started out well. His name was proclaimed by God that he would be the next king of Israel. We know that David, of all of his sons, he, he proclaimed and also said that he was going to be the next one to take his throne. He's anointed by the prophet Nathan. God had given Israel then a time of peace after many wars that David had fought along this time in the Old Testament. Uh, David had massed a heap of treasures up to this point that Solomon was inheriting or that Israel had. Most of these were spoils of war. And Solomon knew his task. It was to build the first temple. God had laid it upon David's heart to build a temple, but it was not for David to do. God told him that it would be for Solomon. So here's, you've got your notes there. We're going to be following along and talk about some of the best advice for getting off to a good start from the words of Solomon. Now, <clears throat> this may be a little bit different maybe than our regular format. It may have a little bit more of a Bible study maybe type feel to it, but with great intention that we're going to walk through this chapter to discover what we can learn from God's Word about seeking godly wisdom. But I want you to be ready to make application. I want you to be able to make application personally for your daily walk, things that would apply to you particularly. It may be application on a particular crisis that you may be facing or maybe a decision that you have today as we look at maybe these wise words and hopefully this will be a help. We'll also see how this Old Testament passages of preparation. Preparation for our hearts, maybe even for what you're facing today or this week. Preparation for what the Lord wants to do in the life of our church, life of us individually, and particularly as we think about Resurrection Sunday. And a reflection of pointing people to Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, maybe you're here today or maybe there's somebody listening today, may today give you more than a glimpse of the gift of the life and the love that Jesus has for you that lasts through eternity. Anybody got off to a good start? It was Solomon. We read 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 3 a minute ago. I think we've got it on your screen. It tells us what? He loved the Lord and he walked in the statutes of his father David. He sought to obey the word of God. He wanted to follow all that the law of God said and began with the pursuit of the Lord and his word. But the last part of that verse gives us some pause. What does it mean that Solomon worshiped at the high places, offered sacrifices and came to the high places. High places in the Bible referred to places of pagan worship. And when the Israelites came into the promised land, they were told, get rid and destroy of all the high places. And they were obedient, but only up to a point. In fact, they came in, they destroyed most of the pagan gods, but they left the high places with the intention, we think perhaps, that they would use those places as places of worship that would be to the, their one and only God, to Yahweh. And to be clear, they were destroyed not to rededicate the high places to God because too often the Israelites would take something that used to belong to pagan worship, they wouldn't destroy it, and then they'd turn back and then they would offer to idols again or begin to worship idols again. It happened many times in the life of Israel. It happened uh, even in the time of Solomon's reign. And... Uh, but we're not to think that at the beginning of Solomon's reign, he was worshiping and sacrificing to idols. I believe he was seeking to worship God and he was just not doing it the right way at the right place. At least not yet. So let this be a lesson to us. The ways of God are not arbitrary. 
In other words, they have meaning and God wants us to follow him wholeheartedly because we may not always see the reason why, but God knows and we know that God's way is far above our understanding. But read again verse 4. We read it a moment ago. But it says, And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. Now, at this time, there was no temple in Jerusalem. Solomon was going to build the first temple. But the Ark of the Covenant had already been brought to Jerusalem. Some of you might remember the story of David coming in, dancing before the Lord as they're bringing the Ark into the Jerusalem. He's, he's laid aside his royal garments, and the people are rejoicing when the Ark was taken there. Well, the tabernacle, the very tent that was taken, it was built in the wilderness and they traveled around with it for 40 years and they had the Ark of the Covenant as well as some other things and that tent was set up in Gibeon. Not far from there was one of the high places there and, and Solomon would go to Gibeon and he would offer sacrifices. In fact, that became the most popular place for worship for the Israelites and he had offered a thousand animals to sacrifice to the Lord we're not given all the details, but it may have been that this had been an ongoing thing. The wording is that this was his practice to go, and already he'd offered about a thousand sacrifices uh, there, and I'm sure his servants helped him there as well. But it's worth noting that this is what Solomon did before he asked the Lord to give him wisdom. In verse 5, Solomon made one of his pilgrimage to Gibeon for worship. God appeared to Solomon in a dream. That's not all that unusual that God appeared to people in dreams in the Bible. You remember Joseph of the Old Testament. God often spoke to Joseph through dreams and uh, he was the interpreter of dreams. Even Joseph of the New Testament, the stepfather of Jesus. He, uh, God, Lord spoke to him or an angel spoke to him in a dream as well before Jesus was born and even afterwards uh, as well. Well, does God still speak to people in dreams? Well, he may do it. I'm I'm pretty sure he probably doesn't want to speak to you in a dream during this hour. He probably wants you to stay awake, speak to you otherwise today. But he, may, but he probably doesn't speak in dreams as often because we have the full revelation of God's Word. We have all from Genesis to Revelation and what the Lord would have to say to us still speaks through the Word. And he's speaking to us, the one who is called the Word, uh, Jesus Christ. And so we know that the Lord has spoken to us as well. But in this dream, God asked Solomon, or he actually told him, he made the statement, Ask what I shall give you. Now let's, let's pause here for just a moment. Because God is asking Solomon, what do you want me to give you? Too often, many people believe that God is more like a genie in a bottle or Aladdin and his magic lamp. And God's ready to answer anything that you ask, perhaps. And sometimes even as believers, we think sometimes, well... God will give me whatever I ask as long as I pray the right kind of prayer, maybe say enough prayers, have enough faith, or I'm good enough, God's going to answer my prayers. But we recognize, of course, and understand that uh, the Bible does say, ask anything in Jesus' name and he'll give it to you according to his will. Thus, our, our prayers also reveal much about our character. Now, was God going to grant any request that Solomon made? Well, maybe uh, the Lord does ask for us to bring our request or where, or maybe it is the same parameters that we have about prayer that Solomon had as well. But let me ask you today, let's suppose it wasn't that way according to God's will that God's going to ask you anything that you want. What would, what would you ask of God if he would give you anything that you asked? How would you answer that? Would you ask for riches? Would you ask for 
health, asked for long life, or maybe like uh, one lady asked, or maybe it was a meme that said, Lord, if you can't make me young, skinny, and beautiful, then make my friends old and ugly. Or I think if you, you know, I think if you just had one wish, the wish ought to be, well, just give me more wishes. But how you answer that question, what if God were to ask you or give you anything that you asked, what would it be? It says a lot about your character and about your faith. Uh, the answer may have something to do with a particular crisis for you. In other words, something that you're going through that God, that you'd like for God to answer. Jesus asked this very question. You might remember the story of blind Bartimaeus in the New Testament where Blind Bartimaeus, as Jesus was coming through, began to yell out to Jesus. All those around him told him to be quiet, but he continued to yell out for Jesus. Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus called him out. And he asked that very question, the same question that God's asking Solomon. What would you have me to do for you? Blind Bartimaeus said, I want to be able to see. And immediately his sight was restored and he followed Jesus. So, so how does Solomon answer God's inquiry or statement, ask what I shall give you? Some translations say, ask and I will give it to you. Well, before Solomon gave his request, notice what he said in verse 6. Solomon said, you've shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you've kept for him this great and successful and steadfast love. And they've given me a son to sit on the throne this day. Now, Solomon's going to have his problems, and some things from Solomon we're going to learn from him about what not to do. But mostly today, we're going to learn what to do. Solomon did not first think of himself. He thought of all that God had done for David, all that God had done for Israel and for him. So here, here's Solomon's best advice on how to start off well. Finally, you get to your notes, a blank you can fill in. Exalt God. Exalt God in the New Testament vernacular. You want to lift up the name of Jesus. That may be the first thing that uh, Solomon would tell us today. If we were to ask him, how can we start off well? But here's a question we'll not answer completely today, though we'll talk about it some. And the question is, why did God bless Solomon with peace, wisdom, and prosperity? And the short answer is, because God is faithful. Not necessarily because Solomon is good, because he was not always good. Was Solomon a smart guy? Well, he came to be the wisest who ever lived. Who made him that way? God did. You have abilities and you have talents, even gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus. Well, who gave you all those abilities? God did. But we're made to glorify God. His name is to be exalted. May we lift up the name of Jesus in everything we do. If you want to start off well, have a great beginning, keep your focus where it needs to be, then ask yourself often if your words and your actions are exalting His great name. But let's see what else Solomon would advise. Look at verse 7. And now, O Lord my God, you've made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or to come in. Notice the three ways in which David referred to himself. First of all, he calls himself the servant king. Now, David was the greatest servant king in all of the Old Testament. He truly served God and served his people. Jesus, who is the king of kings, of course, he is the greatest example. As he came and he said, I came not to be served, but to serve. And we know that Jesus paid the ultimate price for each person here when he died on the cross for our sins, took our place on the cross and took our penalty. Three times in this chapter, Saul calls himself a servant. 
Solomon also called himself a little child. Now, he was a young man. He was probably in his early 20s at this time. He'd reigned for 40 years. But at age 20, I got to tell you, I would not have called myself a young child. Uh, listen, I got to tell you, when I was in my early 20s, I believed I was full grown. I believed that I knew everything that needed to be known at that time. I believed I could do anything that needed to do in order to get things that were done. And, and I felt I was called by God at that time into, into church work and ministry. And then I started my full-time job, first full-time job at a church. Boy, how can I say this? Then I had to learn how to get along with people. I mean, deacons and Sunday school teachers and committee members and even choir members. Now, understand, this was in my early 20s. I didn't start coming to Parkway or being a affiliate of Parkway until my late 20s. So this was a little earlier than that. But then I saw a T-shirt one day. Somebody was wearing it and said, God loves you and I'm trying. And I thought, that's me, yeah. And, and, he, and, he, and he taught me that, uh, you know, I didn't always have to figure everybody person out. I just need to learn to love them like Jesus loved them or maybe like Jesus loves me and all of my peculiarities. And I cannot tell you the exact moment, but I can tell you that I did have what my, my real teachable moment to where I went from believing that I believe I got it all figured out. I believe I can do anything that I need to do to say, Lord, what you've called me to do is too hard. I cannot do it without your help. Solomon called himself little child, meaning that it means small or insignificant, sometimes used by adults, meaning inexperienced. Jeremiah, when he was called of God, and he was also young, but he also said, for I am a child, using the same word. Here's one of the great kings of Israel that recognized next to God, he was insignificant. But even more than that, he recognized also a childlike trust in God was necessary. Might remind us of something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3. It says, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven, which is a reminder that if we're to place our faith in Jesus, that we must place a childlike faith in Christ. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to continue to have that childlike faith to follow him. Then Solomon told God also in verse 7, he said, I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. This is his way of saying, I don't know how to be king. And Israel had become a great nation. Even by worldly standards, David had made it into a great nation and it would even become greater. But consider it wasn't just a nation of the world, that this was made up of God's people, God's chosen people. They were a unique people who had a mission to be a light to the world and ultimately a blessing to the entire world because of the birth of Jesus. Being the king of Israel is no small task for it has worldwide and eternal significance. So verse 8 says this. Solomon's continuing to speak. He says, Your servant is the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitudes. Israel's a great nation. Again, his focus is on God and not himself. He says, These are your people. Most kings say, This is my people. I'm the king. This is my nation. But he said, No, he recognizes it's the Lord. So, what other advice do we get from Solomon, particularly if you want to start off well? And it is this. It's humbly submit to divine direction. Humbly submit to divine direction. In Solomon, in these verses, we see a picture of humility. Since Solomon is the writer of much of the wisdom literature of the Bible, let's also learn from his writing. 
In Ecclesiastes, one of the books in which he wrote, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says this, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. You didn't know he's also called the preacher, not only king, but he also called the preacher, and he writes, Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I don't know if you've read Ecclesiastes lately or maybe been in a study about Ecclesiastes. It's an entire book dedicated to preaching against useless endeavors of this world. Riches, fame, power, or anything this world has to offer is without merit. Which is ironic because here Solomon, he's got riches, he's got fame, power, and wisdom, which he expresses in his book as well. In fact, he's one of the most powerful and one of the most famous men at that time. Hey, we still know about him today, but people came from miles around in order to hear Solomon speak and to ask him questions. In fact, they'd come from miles around in order to be able to see the riches that took place. Famous story in the Bible about the Queen of Sheba who comes, he's heard about, she's heard about Solomon's wisdom. So she comes to bring him riddles and ask him questions and she's thoroughly impressed. And she gives him gold and precious jewels just to, and jewelry just to add to all that he has. He has everything this world has to offer, including 700 wives and 300 concubines. Well, we'll talk later about whether that's in the plus or the minus column. I think you probably already know. In Ecclesiastes, he, he says it's nothing. It's all useless. Whatever you have, whatever you work, whatever you do is useless. And as you read that book, if you read it, he has you believe in it. Why try to do anything? Why try to accomplish anything? He does say to enjoy God's blessings while you can, but if, but if you finish and you read with discernment, you realize, yes, all endeavors are in vain and are useless without God. And oh, Ecclesiastes, you know, we, we always want to read the Old Testament in light of the New Testament and the good news of the gospel, but ever much so when you read the book of Ecclesiastes because when you read it, you find from what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes that when you put Jesus in the picture that life in Christ, instead of useless or in vain, it's a thrilling adventure of faith. And our labors are not in vain in the Lord. Verse 9 tells us what Solomon asked of the Lord. This is the ask. When the Lord asked, what can I, what, what can I give you? What do you want me to give you? This is what he asked. Verse 9. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this your great people. And verse 10 says, it, it pleased the Lord. An understanding heart and discernment is a good definition of wisdom. The heart probably more so in that day was more the deceit of decision-making. Although as we talk about the heart, certainly has to do with sincerity and genuineness. Knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. Listen, I'm an advocate for you knowing more of the Bible, more of God's Word. I want you to know more. In fact, I talk often and speak to our children and youth and student leaders and even adults. I say, are you teaching them God's Word? Let's continue to teach God's Word. They need to know God's Word. But along with that comes the, how to apply that word. And then also the motivation that even now that we know what to do is right, we need to be sure to do it. God's so pleased with Solomon's answer. He not only gave him wisdom, but much more. 
verses 11 and 12 again. I know you've read them once. We're reading them again. It says, and God said, because you've asked this and have not asked for your long life or the riches, the life of your enemies, but you've asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before and none, uh, no one shall rise after you like you. Not only gives him wisdom, but he's going to make him the wisest man on earth. Who said Solomon was, Solomon was the wisest man? Well, God did. We just read it. Let's admit that uh, Solomon was unique among men and women, among people. Uh, well, you and I will not be as wise as Solomon. But you also are unique. God's given you certain abilities. He's given you skills, things that are in you. Because of the Holy Spirit in you, those who are believers in the Lord Jesus, you have gifts that the Lord has given you. And because of that, you are created to bring glory to the Lord and He wants to accomplish in you and through you, just like He did Solomon. So Solomon gives this advice. Align yourself with God's will. Align yourself with God's will. There's a general understanding of God's will that we find in the Bible and we find because of Jesus and His example of the things that we all should be doing. We know them from God's Word. We know those things such as the Ten Commandments, and Sermon on the Mount, all of Jesus' teaching, Paul's letters and others, all the things that we're told in the, in the New Testament. These things we should do in order to please the Lord. We don't do these things so that we might be able to make our way to heaven. We don't do these things in order that we might be worthy, but we do these things that, which are revealed in His Word because God loves us and because of the free gift of salvation. But every day we want to be in the Word. We want to be in the pursuit of knowing Jesus so that we might align ourselves with Him and please God more. But then there's also God's particular will for your life. The plan and the purpose that He has for you whereby you use your gifts and talents uniquely suited for you. And as God used Solomon, you want to be faithful to God's plan for you. But aligning yourself with God's will, it's not a one-time thing. It's not something that is a single act. It is instead a daily pursuit to where we find ourselves continuing to know more of Jesus by spending time with Him and spending time in His Word. But notice what happened when Solomon aligned himself with God. Read verse 13. And it says, I, I give you also what you've not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And verse 14 says, And if you walk in... My ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I'll, I'll lengthen your days. I'm not only going to make you the wisest man in the world, I'm going to give you the riches of the world. I'm going to give you a place of honor. And, and if you'll follow my statue, you will live a long life. Now, here's where we need to be careful. For many have interpreted this, and even other parts of the Bible to say, if you please God, you'll be healthy and wealthy for a long time. Can I tell you this is a false gospel? Be leery of those who are preaching or teaching that God will always make you healthy and wealthy. As long as you pray the right prayers or as long as you have enough faith. For those who are believing that, and we know that's a prevalent teaching and preaching that's in our world today. But those who are believing that, they will find themselves disillusioned or disappointed or maybe worse, they'll find themselves placing their faith in something other than the crucified, resurrected Jesus. 
This is why we read all the Bible to have understanding. No, if there's an application of this particular part of Solomon's story, it's in the New Testament from Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 that says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. God is working around us. Already we can see where he's done things in our church more than we could ever have asked or ever imagined. And it's more than just the resources that we have around us. We have many ministries in our church. One of the things that that were started here at our church four years ago, about to have our fourth anniversary of what we call Celebrate Recovery, where we have many people who are in need, many people hurting come to celebrate uh, recovery uh, as well. In the four years, 550 people have attended at least one meeting, which is a lot of people that have come through. Uh, of those who have completed the course, which I've six months to a year, forget exactly how long, of those who have completed the course, every one of those have been successful with their goals and they still are today. Now, you may not know how incredible that is that everybody's completed the course to the Celebrate Recovery at Parkway Baptist Church. That's above and beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Uh, another ministry that we started this past year, or C started, it wasn't our ministry, but Esperanza Ministry, Esperanza House, where they were looking for a place to house and to, to their tutoring of Hispanic kids living in Auburn. They wanted to have tutoring four days a week. Christian Life Center was available. They began, started tutoring kids uh, here in our Christian Life Center using the rooms there after school four days a week. Well, somebody had the idea, well, they're here on Wednesdays and we eat on Wednesdays, why don't we feed them since they're here already and that'd be good. So we began to feed them. Somebody had the idea, hey, why don't these uh, teenagers and these uh, kids that are coming, why don't we invite them to come and to... uh, be a part of our Bible studies and mission groups and the things that are meeting here on Wednesday night. Well, I can tell you that now, every week, 30 to 50 kids, every one of them that come on Wednesday, not only are they eating with Parkway Baptist Church family, but they are hearing about Jesus in our Bible studies every single week. Hey, I'm looking forward to a great harvest. I hope that they're telling their parents as well because he is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. And he wants to do that in your life in ways that you could not imagine, that you could not think as we align ourselves with God's will every day. Believe it to be true. Look what Solomon did next in verse 15. And Solomon woke and behold, it was a dream, though we know that it was real, really happened. Then he came to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all of his servants. Do you find these verses significant? In verses 3 to 4, Solomon's offering sacrifices, thousand animal sacrifices. Maybe with the best intentions, but he's doing it in the wrong way. He's doing it at the wrong place. But after an encounter with God, now he goes to Jerusalem. How many animals did he sacrifice? Well, we're not told. Because it wasn't about the number of animals that he sacrificed, but it was about heartfelt and genuine worship. Now he's doing the right thing at the right place. He's experiencing genuine worship. Do you notice anything else? What does he do after worship? He has a feast for all of his servants. Well, 
That doesn't necessarily mean that we need to feed everybody after worship every time we get together, though we eat a lot around here. But it does mean genuine worship always leads to action. Genuine worship always leads to action. It will today if you have genuinely worshiped and that action will be laced with mercy and love. Solomon learned that. So what advice do you think he'd have for you and me? Be teachable. Seek wisdom. Be teachable. Seek wisdom. A disciple of Jesus is above all else teachable. That's what disciple means. Proverbs, written by Solomon, is the book of wisdom. It's repeated over and over again. If you read it, you pay attention, you notice it continues to say, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Is the beginning of wisdom. In Solomon's most famous act, most famous act as a man of wisdom is in this chapter. Like the story of David and Goliath, For those who've never picked up a Bible before, they probably know this story that's in this chapter about Solomon. Look at verse 16. It says, When two prostitutes came to the king and stood before them. Did you remember that these two ladies were prostitutes? Two ladies that both had had a baby. One had died during the night. And then she came and she took her baby that had died and took the other baby and took it to her bed. So when they got up the next morning, they feuded about who had really the live baby, and they came before Solomon, both claiming that the baby was theirs. Look at verse 25. It says, And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Verse 26 and following says, Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, Because her heart yearned for her son, O my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. But the other said... He will be neither mine nor yours, dividing. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Others saw that the wisdom of God was in Solomon. It is an attribute of those who are followers of Christ that others should be able to see godly wisdom and the presence of Jesus in you and in me. Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote, first, chapter 7, verse 12, Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter, but the advantage of knowledge is this. Wisdom preserves those who have it. And then in the New Testament, James chapter 1 and verse 5, James sometimes called the Proverbs of the New Testament, He said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So the last bit of advice about starting well, there's probably more, but the last one we're going to talk about today is trust God will always come through. Trust God will always come through. In other words, you and me, we're to be the ones that never give up hope. Yeah, we've got to be the ones that always show faith. We've got to be the ones that always demonstrate love. Oh, are we sure this is what Solomon would give us today? I mean, all that we've talked about today, I'm, I'm pretty sure because in a passage you probably know from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. But now I want you to be sure that you realize we're really getting advice 
not from Solomon, but we're getting advice from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're getting advice from him, for there's one here that's greater than Solomon. In fact, that's exactly, Jesus talked about Solomon twice in, his, in the red letters we have in the Bible. And in one of those, speaking of himself, he said, someone greater than Solomon is here. For we know that while Solomon may have started off well, he didn't finish well. But what led to his downfall was a problem that he had in the beginning. In fact, if you got your Bibles open, just look at the first phrase in chapter 3. Chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter, brought her into the city of David. He had an alliance with Egypt. Married the daughter of the Pharaoh. With the 700 wives, 300 concubines, he ended up marrying a lot of foreign women, many of them queens and princesses. And they brought into Israel many foreign gods and many idols. But perhaps still, looking back, we don't know that Solomon ever repented of that later in his life. But I wonder today, looking back, still Solomon might give this advice on how to finish well, even though he did not. In fact, he wrote in Ecclesiastes 7-8, if he could just take his own advice, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Pride got in his way. And he did not finish well. Chapter 3 once said he made an alliance with Egypt. Listen, in the Old Testament, Egypt is almost always recognized with the world or with worldliness. He made an alliance with the world and also tried to serve God. But you cannot do both. So what would be the best advice on how to finish well? It is this, not so that we can get to heaven, not that we can somehow find God's favor because salvation is a free gift, but simply because we want to please Him. It is this, it is undivided loyalty. Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. Can't serve, not you shouldn't, but you can't serve God and money. You cannot serve God and this world. You cannot serve God and Jesus Himself. Only Jesus. Mentioned Celebrate Recovery, the people that have come through and at least come to one meeting. We've had a couple of people that have come through that meeting and they've left that meeting saying, I, I can't come back to this meeting. When inquire, well, why can't you come back? Say, well, you talk about Jesus here and say Jesus is the answer. We don't believe in Jesus. Well, that's both tragic and triumphant at the same time. It's tragic in the sense that somebody has heard the truth about Jesus and they have refused to believe it's triumphant in the fact that even those who are not believers in the Lord Jesus Christ knows we're all about Jesus. And Jesus is the answer. May it be true of each of our lives that people know we're all about Jesus. And Jesus is the answer. And ours from beginning to end is an undivided loyalty. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence we thank you for allowing us to be a part of what is kingdom work and building your kingdom being a part of something that's bigger than ourselves we thank you that we can come freely talk about Jesus today and father we, we pray that we may continue even now even now that we may continue in worship of you and that you may 
we can make that commitment that we need to make because we know genuine worship leads to action. What is it, Lord, that you would have us to do? Follow you more closely, share you more clearly, give our heart and life to you for the very first time and believe in you. We believe the Holy Spirit's at work today. Holy Spirit is power. The Holy Spirit's going to be at work, Father, and we thank you for that. We pray, Father, that you may be at work. If there's somebody here that doesn't believe in Jesus or they've yet to become a follower of Christ, give their heart and life over to Jesus, may today be the day of salvation that they can know, that they can ask Christ to forgive them of all their sins, place their faith in Jesus, and ask Christ to come in to be Savior and Lord. Thank you for another opportunity to worship, praise, call, and commit to you. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.